We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, guys? Andrew Claudio here with a quick programming note. This is part one of not two, not three, not four, but five parts. Cap or no cap, the Jalen Brunson plan. Uh, The moment you've all been waiting for, arguably the biggest potential name attached to the Knicks, at least the most talked about name attached to the Knicks for the past few months, to be completely honest, although there may be a Jaden Ivey plan coming to the notches in the future. More on that later. Here in part one, uh, John and Jeremy recap the week. There's some news around some Knicks assistant head coaches. One, a new one, Rick Brunson, who might have something to do with the uh, player that we're talking about today. One, Johnny Bryant. Um, Jeremy didn't get to give his side of what the Knicks will do with uh the departure of Johnny Bryan, if that changes anything. John did give his two cents. If you want to hear it, go back and listen to the episode that came out on Friday. They also talk about Mark Berman's appearance on this podcast feed. Shout out to Chris Persianen, who did a tremendous job talking to the longtime Knicks beat writer from the New York Post and some nuggets and maybe even some news that came out um, from Chris's conversation with Mark and any revelations that were newsworthy were talked about by John and Jeremy before diving into Jalen Brunson. And uh, I think in part one, it's mostly the uh, what he does well. Um some concerns you might have about signing him and more importantly, the fears is what they spent the the most of the time on, whether or not um, it's Brunson versus quickly, whether the, the Knicks have high standards, whether they have cap space or not. Um, a lot of, a lot of stuff is discussed in part one. Uh, if you're listening to this, this is the intro to part one. So without further ado, let's get into it. The first four parts are releasing on this podcast feed today. Part five will release tomorrow. Here is part one, cap or no cap, the Jalen Brunson plan. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. This is the, the penultimate Monday show before the draft. Yeah, so it's like we're 
We are we are inching as Andrew takes down his heart target back in the background. Oops. Now, everybody that's listening, go watch. You'll see me randomly <laughs> taking down a target back in the background that John didn't have to acknowledge. No, I had but to. Did. I had but to. now we did. Now. Now we're here, Jeremy. We here. We here. We, we, we hashtag here. we here. God damn. I have so many target bags. I know other people have this issue. There's so many target bags. They sent no more plastic bags. And now all there are target bags. Let's scrap the, the Brunson uh uh, cap or no cap, and we'll just talk about how Target is infiltrating the world with their bags because I have like dozens as well. Oh my, dozens! I have Maybe hundreds. Not dozens. I, I probably have about a dozen in my in my apartment. It's not a big apartment either. Yeah. Um, Jeremy okay. Cohen, hello, sir. Hey, John. I don't know if I have any Target bags in my house, which is probably for the best. I, but if you ever want to give me some Target bags, I'll take them. You, you could have all of mine. Um, in the mail tomorrow, Jeremy. <laughs> My wife, who I love, I love dearly. Um, the thing that like she she doesn't miss much about Long Island, but one of the things she misses is the ability to get in her car and just drive to a Target because there is wherever you live in Long Island, there's a Target five minutes away. It doesn't matter where you live, it's Target five minutes away, um, and that's her thing. She likes going to Target, uh, so we have a lot of Target bags. Anyway, you're doing well. Yeah, you know, feeling better, feeling much better. You know, I'm I'm glad to have it behind me. I think today was the first day where I woke up and didn't feel the side effects or long lasting effects of COVID, which is great. So that being said, I'm sure I'll get into some sort of coughing fit later on. It'd be <laughs> great. It'd be perfect. Uh, your flu game was inspirational. Uh, last week, it really was. You did a great job. Shout out to to Jeremy for um, toughing out another uh, cap rules everything around me on Wednesday. Uh, we're we're again now too. There's only going to be a couple more of these babies, right? Yeah, yeah. And I should mention before I forget about it, this week's uh, cream is going to be on Tuesday instead of Wednesday, same time, six p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but Tuesday, not Wednesday. Tune in for that. Uh, I'm sure. I wonder if we're going to get any rumors in the next forty. We're recording this right now at. About 48 hours before you're set to go on. So we'll see. I feel like this week we're going to start getting some more, some more juicy stuff um, in regard. I don't know about the Knicks, but around the league. Uh, we'll leave that for when it comes. Before we get to the cap or no cap that everybody was waiting for on Jalen Brunson, a uh, couple brief things. One, you and I have not had a chance to speak about the Johnny Bryant thing, um, or for that matter, the Rick Brunson. Hiring, so we haven't had a chance to talk about any of the assistant coach stuff. I've kind of said my piece on both. I think the Rick Brunson thing is a little bit overblown. I think the Johnny Bryant thing is like it would suck to lose him. Um, but my my, you know, and if you're bummed about the fact that you think the Knicks are going to lose Johnny Bryant, and you, um, it, it, in your opinion, that is a reason why they should have fired Tom Thibodeau after the year. That's fine. Um, I just. I, I my my whole thing is like, don't act like oh, this is a shock. You know that Quinn Snyder was was always leaving, and Johnny Bryan was always going to be a candidate for this job. So I said what I did say. Uh, Jeremy, thoughts on the the assistant coach situation? Well, the Quinn Snyder leaving didn't surprise me, much like a lot of other people at all, because there had been enough kind of going back and forth between the two sides, and yeah. it seemed like there needed to be an ultimatum of sorts. And it finally was Quinn Snyder didn't want to be with the jazz. It happened. And I think the league 
had a sense of, yep. you know, maybe he'll go to San Antonio, not this upcoming season, but the one after. Next. Maybe he'll do something else, but something's got to give. And if you have your ear to the ground and you know what's going on, then it sounds like the Knicks and all their connections probably knew. <laughs> they were then, not shocked. By no, by no. This. Then they must feel comfortable with Johnny Bryant interviewing and similar to with um, Mike Woodson and Kenny Payne. If Johnny Bryant gets this, it will be the third head coach or the third assistant or associate coach, someone flanking Tom Thibodeau going for what is probably their dream job. And mm. that's something that I think is incredibly commendable. I would be happy. I'd be sad, but it would, it would be bittersweet, but I'd be thrilled for Johnny Bryant. But I think it would also be a testament to the fact that the Knicks then would know how to pick good assistant coaches who have gone on to other opportunities where I know with Mike Woodson, we've already seen Indiana have dividends. They had a great season in his first year. We'll yeah. see what happens with Kenny Payne, but I'm sure he will start getting better recruits and we'll see what the Johnny Bryant situation is there. But there aren't only two head coaches in the NBA that can coach the Knicks in Tom Thibodeau and Johnny Bryant. Thank you. There are other qualified candidates. It's up to the Knicks if they don't want Tom Thibodeau where they turn to next. And if Johnny Bryant is gone, then clearly they have to find someone else. The problem if you're a Knicks fan it's less about losing Johnny Bryant and it's more about, okay, the entire philosophy, at least for me, was if Tibbs can't do it, you have someone who's well-respected, who can step up in his place. And if that person's gone, where do we turn to? Because it feels like a complete shift. And I don't really know. Who would they turn to? That's the thing. They, it could be anyone. They could poach another you know, coach who is like, they could poach Quinn Snyder the following season. They could yeah, go after in, an associate yeah. head coach. They could, I, I don't know if they would promote anyone off the bench. I mean, that's well, that's if he's, let's say they start off, you know, three and 15 or something. And, and Dolan's like, uh, you know, enough of this nonsense. And Thibodeau gets fired. I mean, there's no obvious name left on the bench. I think is what you're saying. Unless it's someone like Darren Ehrman. You've yeah, got Darren some Ehrman, sort of like Jeff Andy Van Greer. Gundy type situation. Yeah, yeah but yeah. right. But I don't think that unless it is, as you're saying, a complete disaster that the Knicks are going to let go of anyone midseason because it seems like they're the type of team that likes to handle its business in the offseason. But under Leon Rose, they are. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but anything goes with Leon Rose. No, anything goes in general. And if something were to happen where it just there needs to be a change, then maybe there is. And as for Rick Brunson, would I say that there is absolutely nothing to do with Jalen Brunson? No. It has an impact. At worst, the Knicks have a pulse as to whether Jalen Brunson wants to play there. If Jalen Brunson didn't want to play for his dad, period, then the Knicks would probably not be hiring Rick Brunson. But does it have something to do in the sense of like, it's the stepping stone for Jalen Brunson to come here and it's set in stone? No, it, not at all. I think that as it's been reported for a while, Rick Brunson has been a target for the Knicks to join Tom Thibodeau's staff. He's followed Tibbs in two different locations. He coached Brunson um, ages ago when he was an assistant coach on the Knicks. It just feels like something that finally came to fruition that had never... It just hadn't happened before. Um, and now, now that what DJ Wagner, who he was coaching in Camden, is moving on to college, there's not really necessarily a reason to stick around. Yep. It makes sense for why this would be you know, filling... Whoever was leaving the bench, whether it was uh, Mike Woodson, whose spot, I guess, wasn't really replaced, even though I know Darren Ehrman did get elevated a little bit, but that was also Kenny Payne related. Yeah. So there's some sort of vacancy. It's been filled by Rick Brunson. We'll see if it has any major impact in getting Jalen Brunson in the building, but I don't think it has 
I don't think it's the impetus for Jalen Brunson's automatically going to be here. Hold that thought. That was good timing. You messaged something, but you're on mute. Going to buzzer when Jeremy done talking. Buzzer being. That's what. No, John. Oh, John said. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John said that. Got it. Okay. So 820. Okay, I'm back. I don't either. Um, because I am, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil today's episode. I'll save my thoughts on, on Jalen for the end, but like if Jalen Brunson's coming here, it's not because of Rick Brunson. And if like, I, I could, it will it help a little bit? Like, I guess. Sure. Why not? It can't hurt. Right. I don't think it'll hurt. Um, and again, do I, do we think the Knicks did this, that they would have done this you know, anyway, yeah, probably, but like, you know, you want to say the timing was interesting. I don't know. I, I don't think we should make a bigger deal out of it than it is. Um, I think that's enough on that. Uh, before we move to Mr. Brunson, um, we had a notable guest on the KFS podcast network uh, this, this weekend. Did you happen to catch who was on this weekend's draft class, Jeremy? I sure did. I listened to all of it. Chris did a great job. Mr. Mark Berman. The, the one Coast. and only. The one and only. Relax, Mark. <laughs> I thought, uh, Chris, first of all, you, you did a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if anybody who didn't catch the episode, no matter what you think of Mark, and I have shared my own thoughts about some of the things that Mark has said, not only this season, but in seasons past, uh, in which I, I have not exactly been a fan, um, you'll enjoy this episode. And I think you'll get some good insight uh, out of it, if nothing else. Uh I'll ask you before I say, what what did you, did you think there was one thing in particular that Mark shared that was most eyebrow raising or was it just a a general, um, did you have a general takeaway? Because there were, there were a couple of things that I thought were in particular interesting. Yeah, I'd say the two things that kind of were reinforced were number one, I just don't see a world where Julius Randall can return next year. Wow. I just, I it shouldn't be a surprise based I, on, I understand. Listen, I, I hope you're Mark. right. <laughs> I respect Mark a lot. Uh, the type of job he does is just kind of like grinded out journalism. Uh, at the same time, I also recognize that there is a sensationalist al- uh, angle to it, in which yeah. case he is going to kind of come with it at that mindset. But ba- there are just certain things that during the course of the season and even taking a step back over the last two months where we've kind of been able to think about it and see how it works. It just doesn't feel like there is a way to have things coexist. And the second one, of course, had to do with Jaden Ivey. Uh, It's maybe more of a topic for another time, but just the mindset of the Knicks being in a position where if they feel like there's star potential and if they feel that he is attainable, Bridging the gap between the two does make sense. Yep. Certainly impacts today's conversation, impacts a whole lot of different things. But I'd say those were the two biggest things. The one thing I'll add as well, Mark had an article recently as well about Mitchell Robinson and yes. interest in the Bulls. And so one of the things that that he wrote... You probably that, know why I'm laughing, but... Yeah. One of the things he wrote that I just want to clarify for folks is that... He said that the Bulls have $49 million in cap space, but that doesn't include Zach Levine's cap hold. That's not correct. No. 
The bulls are $49 million below the luxury tax. They do not Which have Which is different. Tax. It's very different. The, ca- <laughs> the salary cap is $122 million. The luxury tax is $149 million. So the bulls have $100 million in salary plus Zach Levine's cap hold, which let's just say they re-sign him. Uh, 30% max is $36.6 million. They don't get any cap relief from that. Um, If they do a sign-in trade with Zach Levine, they're not going to really get much cap relief from that either. Then you have to add in, of course, the uh, first-round pick that they have, any other trades that they might make. The way that they sign Mitchell Robinson, assuming that they keep Levine or get Levine out of there, but do a sign-in trade... Uh, is number one, they sign Mitchell Robinson for the mid-level exception and the Knicks don't match that. And number two, it's a sign and trade with the likely candidate, at least I certainly think to be the likely candidate, being Kobe White because of the salary. Of course, the Knicks wouldn't probably be interested in Kobe White. I think they'd want someone who's a little bit further ahead of the point guard curve. So with that said, it'd probably be a three-team deal where Mitch goes to the Bulls, Kobe White goes somewhere else, and the Knicks get anything from a trade player exception to a player return to maybe a second round pick or two second round picks. I don't really know, but that's the thought process. And it was a pretty major inaccuracy that I just wanted to clear up. Mark means well, he does hundred percent. I also thought there was a line there about uh, where he wrote something about Mitchell Robinson, the bulls seeing Mitchell Robinson as a nice pairing with, Nikola Vucevic, I'm oh I'm I'm going to choose <laughs> so to I'm going to choose to believe that he meant as a as a pairing Back. where they do not share the court, <laughs> yes. but whereas one backs up the other. Uh, putting that aside, I hate you because I have my Bulls. I've been doing the team by team primers uh, throughout the off season, and I have the Bulls coming up this week. And I swear to you, on my kids, I already have it written Kobe White as being uh, the the because the salary works. Uh, first and foremost, the only two we should specify: um, Alex Caruso and Patrick Williams would also work from a salary perspective in a, a reasonable sign and trade. The Bulls aren't trading either of those two no. guys. It's Kobe White. The, the part I will disagree with you on: I think there is a world where the Knicks could look at Kobe White and say, "You know what? Worst case, it's an expiring contract, and then we get his restricted rights." Not exactly an obvious starting point guard in the Knicks right now. He can shoot. He, you know, um, he played well alongside the bull, you know, uh, Levine and DeRozan. His numbers with the starters this year were pretty good. It's not the way I'd go. I don't think it's the way they're going to go. It probably would be a three team deal. But if you told me Kobe White was in New York studying next year, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell you you're nuts. I wouldn't go quite that far. I would just be extremely surprised just based on. okay, now you've got three lead guards or at least players you hope to be lead guards under the age of 24, 25. Yeah. And none of them is like, has proven yet that they are starting caliber. And I mean, all due respect to Emmanuel quickly, it's just, it has not happened yet where we've seen, okay, this is documented. And then you have the Derek Rose angle. Uh, There's a lot that goes into it, which is why I think that another team that is in need of a backup point guard for fairly cheap, seven or so million dollars, yep. move some other matching salary, get something going. That's where I think it really pays dividends for them. I that I just don't think the Knicks benefit from it quite as I, much. I wonder who's the team out there who's like dying to give Kobe White 25 minutes to work out his issues at the NBA level next year. It would have to, it would have to be a team that was, is betting pretty big on their development. That's neither Could it be a Detroit? 
type team. I mean, they already have Killian Hayes. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe. They're, um, yeah. I mean, they're looking for someone better, but <sighs> that's it. See, but this is, I, I'm happy. Yeah. This is a good transition because actually, I don't know if it has directly to do with Jalen Brunson, but there are so few teams that you look at next year as teams that are like, from, you know, more or less like ready to punt the season. Like there are 25 or 26 teams that are like ostensibly looking to win games, at least at the start. There are some teams that in the back of their mind realize, hey, we're not going to the playoffs this year. But other than your, you know, your OKC's, your Orlando's and your, uh, I guess your Houston's probably, there's nobody that's starting the season kind of accepting a, a year outside the plan, which leads us to the Jalen Brunson of it all. And before I turn it over to you, I will just say, I, I, I do think what you implied before, which is that Bronson has everything to do with whether they trade up for Ivy 1000% for obvious reasons. It also would be, I think it's, I think this is a monumental decision. Not that it, it may not be their decision in either respect, trading up for Ivy or signing Brunson. But I do think it's a monumental moment. And me and Andrew talked a little bit about this uh, last weekend because it would really, to me, be almost a shift in organizational philosophy. Because if you do, and we're going to go through all this today, what it takes to get Brunson, like, I I think you're trying to win games this season and trying to make a run at the playoffs and, and do that whole thing. If you trade up for Ivy, you have a different path that you could you could go down and sell it pretty easily. Like we, we traded up to, you know, get this guy. He needs reps. He needs the whole thing to, to learn how to become a point guard at the pro level. Anyway, we'll do the Ivy conversation a different, a different day if, and when we need to, uh, but without further ado, let's get into Mr. Brunson, the younger. Sure. Well, before we dive right in, I kind of want to set the stage for, I love when you set the stage. I, have been holding on to this cap or no cap and the feelings and thoughts behind it. You have feelings? I got feelings, John. (laughs) I got you do, Jeremy. For over two months. And I see the takes. I see the tweets. I see the thoughts and the comments that go on. And here's what I'll say. I do not... I, I don't believe that the Knicks have to, have to, have to get Jalen Brunson. I agree. I'm I'm a huge fan of his. There is a price point. We will get into that. We will get into what he, how he impacts the game, all these different philosophies and whatnot. But the one thing is that because we as Knicks fans are so, we're so determined to see a winning team that I think what happens is that fans lose sight of the process. And I don't mean the process like the Sixers or capital P. uh, No, right. A lowercase P process, which is that the Knicks are not a contender this upcoming season. And they likely won't be one, the one after that. And there's a good chance they won't be after that. What the Knicks need to do is basically go step by step. And there's nothing wrong with just going from a below average team to an average team to a good team to a great team. And what gets lost in the way is that you don't just tank and then boom, you're good. You need to take steps moving forward. And so 
there are these stars that become available when or if they become available. And they're either not worth the package that Knicks fans deem them to be, or they're so good, but why on earth would another team want to trade for them? And it costs the Knicks too much, and then they're out of it. And it's just all about how can you get better as a team? And how can you still set yourself up for later on? Responsibly better. How can you get responsibly better? Responsibly. That's the key word. And to me, that player that helps elevate you to get to the next level, a player, I should say, because there are several options, but in this case, is someone like Jalen Brunson. And what gets lost then is, okay, well, you got Jalen Brunson. Where now? And the truth is there are several different opportunities and options and ways you can go about it. It's just, we want the Knicks to be a better team. We want them to raise the floor. Does a move like Brunson's cap the ceiling? Maybe, but guess what? There are other opportunities down the road where you can then increase that ceiling and change everything, but just become a better team today without losing an arm and a leg. And that's where a player with the sign and trade, with clearing cap space, whatever it'll be, as we will discuss, like Jalen Brunson comes into focus. Um, I think that was a really, really, really well put way of just. Um, I think that the the word that you're that we're really dancing around, or the phrase that we're dancing around, is opportunity cost. And I think that there are some Nick fans that think if you sign Jalen Brunson, that there is an op- there is this mythical opportunity cost of a road not taken, which I'm, I agree with you. Uh, it, no, that's, that's not, unless you sign him to a contract that is an albatross and like look around the league, there aren't that many albatrosses anymore. And I don't think Jalen Brunson is going to turn into one. He has a certain skill set, And like, again, we will, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit that like people are going to want him. Um, I'm not going to do the comparison with Julius Randle. Uh, and the, the other the other part of it is this this notion that if you don't sign Jalen Brunson, you could like tank next season. I mean, look, the, I'm sure there's a world where the Knicks do not win many games next year. Uh, that is not a path this front office is going. Like, if they could avoid it, they're going to avoid it. So... If that is what you are rooting for, then I'm, I don't know, root for Leon Rose to get fired because as long as he's here and honestly, as long as James Dolan owns the team, I, we've been talking, we've, we've talked at circles around this for how long, you know, it's, it's unlikely um, to happen. Um, Not saying never say never. They won, they won 17 games a few years ago and, and Dolan was on board with that granted before a summer in which KD and Kyrie were going to be free agents. So I think that changed things a little bit, whatever. We don't need to go too much further down this road. I just wanted to say that was very well said. Thank you. And what also gets lost in the fray, especially as conversations with the trading up and whatnot, uh, the Knicks were four games away from being a 500 team in a season that was crap and so many different issues. They were only four games away. And you look at all the blown leads, all these things. And it's easy to see how, replacing Kemba Walker with a player like Jalen Brunson can get you up maybe into the early forties, maybe to the mid forties and wins. So that is that step up because the Knicks are a lot closer to making the playoffs than they are to tanking depending on what they do this summer. That could all change. They could say, we're going to take the <laughs> biggest yeah. step back ever and work that way. But they I could. don't think they will. And I, I know don't, you don't think they will. I don't think they will either. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As we move on to Jalen Brunson. Oh, look at it. He's coming at us from every direction. Yes, he is. He's everywhere. So who is Jalen Brunson? Most of you probably know by now. He's the starting point guard for the Dallas Mavericks. Son of Rick Brunson. Once a Nick, always a Nick. First client of Leon Rose. Um, He's a former and now current assistant coach for Tom Thibodeau. And he trained Obi Toppin before the 2020 NBA draft. Additionally, Jalen Brunson is a CAA client. All of this, that's pretty common knowledge, but in case you do not know any of this, here you go. Let's just quickly talk about what Jalen Brunson does well. He's an elite pick and roll ball handler. I mean, we're talking about the best pick and roll ball handler. And I'm not exaggerating. The best pick and roll ball handler last season. Tremendous work. Uh, he's really, really good in ISO, which is something that the Knicks didn't really have a good ISO player to deal with last season. So that certainly would be a major boost for what they can do. He drives persistently. Um, That's something that the Knicks seem to crave in a lead guard. That's what he does. He's got fantastic footwork, incredible footwork. Um, He can, once he beats you downhill, he's not necessarily going to finish at the rack. He can kind of stop on a dime. Um, Maybe he can kick it out. Maybe he takes a mid range shot, but he is fantastic at the rim. I want to say that there were six players in the NBA last season who drove more than like eight times a game and finished at more than 55% at the rim. And believe it was like Giannis and Luca and Brunson and three other phenomenal guys. And Brunson, I think, was second or third in terms of field goal percentage on that list. Uh, He's incredible from mid-range, absolute butter. And a lot of the shots are from pulling up which is what he does really nicely. And he's a quality passer and playmaker, which is something that 
if you are looking for a floor general, he can provide. Before we get into the next thing, John, anything you have on your mind? Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a while uh, since I wrote about Brunson in the newsletter, but I, I just pulled it back up to go find it. There was, I think it's mostly dissipated now uh, after the postseason and people really got to see him do his thing. Not not that he wasn't aided by Luca, but like this is Jalen Brunson, the, the notion that Jalen Brunson is a product of Luka Doncic was something that was heavily like floated. Uh, I, I think that has gone out the window again, not saying he doesn't benefit by playing with Luka Doncic. Guess what? There's not a player in the league that wouldn't look a lot better playing next to Luka Doncic. Um, but yeah, what I went and found. So he played 17 regular season games. Uh, Brunson did without Luka this year. Average 20.4 points, seven and a half assists on 49.3% shooting overall and 35% from deep. Uh, no player in the NBA put up those numbers over the course of the full season. The only players who put up 20 and seven this year were LaMelo Ball, Darius Garland, Trey Young, and, um, and Luca himself. Uh, and this, we're not even talking about uh, Brunson putting up whatever, uh, 24, 41, and 31 in the three games that Luca missed against Utah. Yes, it's Utah, terrible perimeter defense. I get it. But go look at you know Brunson's numbers the rest of the playoffs. He's legit. He's absolutely legit. Yeah, and I located the stat with the finishing. So this past season, 75 players drove to the basket eight times a game or more and played in at least 20 games. Low threshold, 20 games. Of those 75, it was six players with a field goal percentage greater than 55% on drives. In this order, Giannis, Chris Paul, Jalen Brunson, DeMar DeRozan, LeBron James, Luka Doncic. That's pretty good company. All those guys made the All-NBA team, right? Yes, they did. There you go. I want to talk about concerns because they certainly exist. Um, Number one, fans focus on size. I am someone who actually prefers larger point guards. I care about switchability, especially on the defensive end. You don't want someone who's just a wet noodle when it comes to defending the point of attack. Why do you hate Kemba Walker? Oh, we don't have time for that. (laughs) Love you, Kemba, but we don't have time for that. The thing with the size factor with Brunson, it goes back to, I'm not looking for a contending player to be signing right now. I'm looking for the Knicks to sign good talent. If you want to find great talent, look in the draft. If you want to find good talent, scour the free agent market, the trade market, see how you can upgrade in that way. And if, you're, if we're talking about placeholders, he's a key focus. That's just kind of how I see it. Cost. We'll talk about the price tag, but I understand there are folks who are super price conscious about Brunson. And I feel like a lot of the people who are super, super concerned about it don't consider a lot of different factors, specifically that the salary cap goes up, which means that raise that that uh, wages will rise. And you have to look at the percentages of a salary cap. And but can we just first like if it's a contract that someone will take on whether it, it you sitting at home, you know, your opinion versus, you know, as a GM's opinion, sitting in a front office somewhere, you may completely be on the same page about the fact that Jalen Brunson is not worth $25 million a year. It doesn't matter if someone and multiple teams are willing to take on a contract at a certain cost. Guess what? He's worth the contract because yeah. that's really what it comes down to. Yes, it is. And if we're talking about Jalen Brunson, we're talking about Julius Randle. 
there is a what I believe to be a clunky fit between the two. We've you've written about it, uh, you've spoken about it, I've spoken about it. We don't want a team with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle primarily because the major factor involved with Julius Randle wasn't like, hey, a lot of his problems can be fixed with the point guard. The level of effort, the attitude, the inefficiency. The last part can be a little bit uh, changed by a new point guard. The other stuff, it's not that that has no factor on it, no bearing. Um, so that would certainly not be the most ideal setting. The three point shooting for Brunson, he is a good three point shooter. The thing is, he just doesn't shoot it a lot. Um, there is an ability for him because he's 26 years old. Um, he can still work on his game. He can still improve. He doesn't have to be necessarily a completely finished product. But if he's pulling up from mid-range, you would hope, and deep mid-range, you would hope that he can stretch that out a bit more. The um, In the second round against the, well, really, I guess the, the Western Conference Finals, the Warriors were encouraging Jalen Brunson to pull up from three. Yep. And it worked out well for the Warriors. He didn't do a super great job on it. Catch and shoot, he's good, but it's a smaller sample size. That's where it's like, can he increase the sample size there? Can he pull up a bit more? Because he's able to do it, it just we'd like to see more from it. And we know that the Knicks like when their point guards can pull up from three. So something to just consider there. Yep. Uh, the effect on other guards on the roster, right? I mean, there's Emmanuel Quickly. There's Deuce McBride. There's Derek Rose. It, yes. It's, it's the quickly. The <laughs> fear is, oh my God, Jalen Brunson's going to come in here and take Emmanuel Quickly's job. Yeah. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But that's the overarching thought process. Um, and then the other factor is other point guards available. I think the one thing that Knicks fans often like to do is go thrifting and think that they've snagged this incredible once-in-a-lifetime gem. It doesn't work that way. Why do you hate Kemba Walker? Again, that's... <laughs> sure, but not, not what I'm even talking about. Like People think it can be know, economical about Tyus Jones and he'll be an upgrade. And I'm here to tell you that's nice not accurate. It's not, it's not going nice to happen. Player. It's, nice player. That's great. But the fact that there's like beating around the bush, he's not a starting caliber player for the Knicks to elevate them to the next round. You get what you pay for. There's a reason why Jalen Brunson is demanding of a larger contract than Tyus Jones by what will probably be a significant amount. And the reason is that, yes, while Tyus Jones has done a nice job standing in for John Morant when he's been injured, Jalen Brunson is just simply a better player. That is the truth of it. I, I hope we don't need to convince anyone of that. One, uh, two brief thoughts on this. The three-point shooting and the fit with Randall, to me, those two things go hand in hand because it's not only about what Jalen Brunson is able to do if Julius Randle kicks the ball out to him. It's about if Jalen Brunson has, if Jalen Brunson is doing the thing that you paid him primarily, whatever, $20, $25 million a year to do, which is to get in the teeth of the defense um, and either manufacture buckets, which he does very well, or if he draws the help to kick out to an open shooter, guess who did that? Really well, a year and a half ago uh, or two years ago, whatever it is now, Julius Randle. They are quite similar in that way. And if you want to throw RJ Barrett in there, that's that's fine, too. Although I want to see him, you know, drive and kick even a little bit more. Um, if Randle isn't a threat on the outside, which teams, you know, until he proves other, I mean, really, he was hitting 40 percent two years ago and teams were barely respecting his jumper then. And he hit 30 percent last year, 31 percent. 
So again, I, I'm not going to belabor the point. It's not a great match. I would hope that if they sign Brunson, it doesn't preclude them from, from trading Randall. And I hope really hope. And you said it, I'll say it again. They don't think that signing Jalen Brunson is magically going to fix Julius Randall. Maybe Julius Randall fixes himself and he can coexist in with Brunson in that way. But, and the other thing is, and I know you are mentioning cost in terms of dollars and I, I won't get ahead of ourselves in terms of cost, potentially in terms of assets and a sign and trade. But the only reason I think the other point guards available would be relevant for me is if the cost in assets to facilitate a sign and trade becomes to the point where you are giving up something or multiple somethings that you really don't want to lose. And there is another option available that is, that is in which case you not lose the, the whatever the, these things are. That's the only thing I'll, I'll throw in there. We'll get to that. Yeah. But yes, I, I hear you. I don't, I'm not quite as concerned, but okay, we'll, we'll discuss. Um, so we talked about strengths. We talked about, concerns, I actually added another category and that is fears because these are not mere like, oh, this is something that concerns me. It's this is something that absolutely strikes a nerve and causes pandemonium among some fans. Some fans. The first is spending on someone not elite. We talked about cost, but the reason why I want to flesh it out a little bit more is because if the Knicks believe that they're going to be over the cap Moving forward for the next couple of years, as long as they're not even close to the hard cap or even the luxury tax, which they're not going to be this year, no. all this um, hubbub about or hooey blue, whatever you want to say, for the Knicks spending money, it's ridiculous. It's just all hooey. Yeah, it's just kind of being outraged for the sake of being outraged in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm here to tell you that, again, as long as the Knicks have played their cards right, and with Brock Aller in charge, I'm really not too worried about it, then it's not like overpaying by a little bit is going to completely mess up all these things and affect them and and whatnot. Uh, The next is four years, $100 million. Maybe Jalen Brunson gets a contract for this amount. It wouldn't shock me. But it's also, it feels like it's set in stone. I don't know if people are prepared for the option that Maybe he doesn't get four years, $100 million. Maybe he gets closer to $90 million over four years. And what that means instead. But just like, it's almost like this this, um, terrifying thought where like, this is where his amount is. Maybe it is. Maybe that's the The fact that it's 100 as opposed to even like 98 or something. It just feels like a boogeyman number. And again, it could be true. But if it's not, then what does that say? It says that there was a lot of concern over an amount that just simply never really materialized because it's all about a bidding war. More on that. Uh, then there's the thought process again of Brunson versus Quickly. And if, if you've you're crossed at out this, here, <laughs> I've crossed it out. It's not a mistake. The reason I've crossed it out is because I feel like the conversation of Brunson versus Quickly is a. It's not the conversation that should be happening. To me, it's not about how they go head to head. To me, the real person who should be in, you know, having circles or vultures circling around them is Derrick Rose. And I say that as someone who's a big fan of Derrick Rose, who we loved the fact that he came back and brought the Knicks to the playoffs and could have done more last year, but he was hurt. And then the Knicks didn't bring him back because they didn't want to risk further injury down the line. It's not about necessarily like, 
the presence of Brunson and impacting quickly. To me, it is what is Derrick Rose still doing on a roster that is very young, that has several players there. We're talking about Derrick Rose where, okay, he's making $14.5 million and he's missed like 130 games over the last four years. And Jalen Brunson would not be making $14.5 million. He'd be making more, but he has missed like 35 games over his four-year career. And it's this philosophy of like, why are you cool with Derrick Rose potentially being hurt and not holding up his end of the bargain by playing, but you're uncomfortable with the idea of paying someone who is at this point in his career, a better player who has shown that he has been healthier and who would actually be starting because we know Derrick Rose isn't going to start Derrick Rose. He being there impacts Emmanuel quickly because to me, an ideal situation is if, if you're getting Jalen Brunson and you're having Emmanuel quickly and I, I should I should have prefaced this before. The the Ivy conversation is very different. If if you want Ivy, completely and, different. Then impacts Brunson, totally different situation. But if we're talking about Ivy is not taken by the Knicks, he's not a trade up candidate. And you've got Brunson, you've got quickly put quickly in the Rose role. Use Rose's salary to move him for something else that can help you. Maybe if Mitchell Robinson walks, you find a center that you use with uh, Derek Rose's money. Whatever it is, but. It, it should not be that Brunson is blocking quickly because you can always move Brunson. Hell, you could, as much as people don't want to hear this, you could move quickly. I'm not advocating for it. Why do you hate Emmanuel quickly? I don't. I'm just saying that you have different options available to you because that's the whole point of free agency. And that's the whole point of making trades and working with the draft. And last thing on this topic, if you polled Knicks fans before they traded for Derrick Rose, the, re- the reaction would have been, oh. we don't really want Derrick Rose. No, don't it would have been under 50-50 in favor. Now, people are willing to take bullets for Derrick Rose. And that's fine. That's fandom. But it's the sort of thing where if you had Jalen Brunson on this team, like if Jalen Brunson had been acquired instead of Dennis Smith Jr., we would be fawning over Jalen Brunson the same way Mavs fans are saying, got to keep Jalen Brunson. We need Jalen Brunson to come back. But yeah. because he's somewhere else and because he's not a star, because if it were a star, he wouldn't be attainable most likely, but he's not a star. And there's this like gap he, in between he a little like a star good. a couple he, times in the playoffs, but hundred percent, but it's not that level of consistency. No, I know, but it's like, okay, you can still get a good player without him being a star because we as Knicks fans are often then, entitled about our location, our team guys, players don't give a shit. Like if there's a good player that wants to come to New York and that would of course have to be the situation with Brunson. Why are we necessarily turning our noses up at that possibility? Especially if they fit exactly what we're going for. Um, I'm going to pause right there before I get to the other three points and turn it over to you. Yeah, no, I just, just I, a lot. No, I just want to, the, I don't have anything to say on the, the money part of it. I mean, John Collins makes $25 million a year. Um, it's a tradable contract. You know, I, I could go through all sorts of players. Uh, it, it, I, I don't want to talk about the money anymore. Derek Rose is going to be 34 years old by the time next season begins. Um, he's an, a $14 million expiring contract. Uh, if you he, want him to be. If you want him to be. He, it, yes, because you're right. They, it's, a, it's a two with an option for a third year. Um, love Derek Rose. The the time for him in New York. I'm not saying it's run out. Like maybe he stays, and maybe there's a world where he still contributes. He should not be part of your decision making part uh, process. And as far as quickly goes, I love Emmanuel quickly, but I have learned over the years to accept the world that we live in as opposed to the one that we maybe want it 
to be. Uh, I would love for Emmanuel quickly to get a gig, a, a shot uh, starting for the Knicks. I've been pining for it since like December. Uh, it's not going to, I shouldn't say it's not going to happen. I would be shocked. And at the very least, the Knicks have kind of shown us already. They don't think that's what he is long-term. They've, they've been quite clear about what they think he is. Well, in, well you know, if you want to disagree, feel free. But I, 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 to me, when you have a guy that has played 25 minutes a game, 30 minutes, a game, I'm not saying this is what he averages, but like lots of games where he's up around 30 minutes and just never starts. There's no clearer sign to me that the, the Knicks see him as a six man. And so I don't, if that's the case, then it's not like Jalen Brunson is going to be the thing holding Emmanuel. Yes. Is there a world where the Knicks like don't get any of their targets as a starting point guard and, and quickly starts by default? Yes. But there's so many dominoes that would need to fall for, for, in my opinion, just my two cents for quickly to start next season as the starting point guard. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think that's a reason, reason to be against a possible Jalen Brunson acquisition. And then just the last thing, as far as like, it of impacting quickly's minutes because if you're like me, yeah, sure, I'd love quickly to start. I just want him to play, you know, 25 plus minutes a game. He played Rose and quickly together a lot. Brunson and you, you are what you could defend in the NBA. Brunson and Rose as defenders are six and one half dozen the other. I know Rose is a little bit more on him in terms of height, but like those guys are not materially different defenders. He'll, like, this is not an Obi Toppin, Julius Randle thing because that is a fundamental part of basketball. Mm-hmm. You have a rim protector on the floor. You don't have a rim protector on the floor. This is very different. Uh, he would play them together, whatever it is, six, eight, ten minutes a game. That's enough to get quickly his minutes. I, I, I don't think that's an issue. Yeah, and I would say that because that was also part of the fear factor of it that I'm glad you brought up. You can still play them together. It doesn't have to be an overwhelming amount, but there are enough times where... At the end of the day, Tibbs just wants to put good players who can fit together on the court at the same time. Yeah. And Quickly's length and wingspan certainly helps that. And we know, because we just saw it, that Alec Burks can average like 32, 33 minutes a game starting at the point guard position and Quickly can still average 25, 26. Yes. And I think that that is a replicable situation. Obviously, there's less versatility because Burks is a larger player than Jalen Brunson is. But it doesn't mean, okay, well, quickly is going to have negative minutes compared to where he was. Like he averaged 23 this past season, 22. I don't see him averaging fewer minutes. And I don't believe that the front office would try to create a situation that would stymie his growth even more. Where I will push back, however, I don't think it's that the front office doesn't believe quickly can be a starting caliber player. I hope I you're right. It's that, sure. But I, I think it's much more that the front office doesn't want to force it. They, We as Knicks fans oftentimes want to thrust a player into the spotlight and be like, great, uh, you are, you have so much potential. We want to see you get clear-cut minutes above anyone else. And I think yes. what's lost is step-by-step, moment-by-moment. Maybe Emmanuel quickly shouldn't be starting. He should have been starting last year, 100%. But I can understand why if they felt that he just needed some more training wheels and you keep moving because to me, yes, should have had the starting job would have been nice to have seen it. It also doesn't mean that they don't view him that position ever. You, you, it, you might be right, but I guess I, you know, we, you've talked many times on here about how the front office pushed Tibbs hand as far as Jericho Sims at the all-star break, right? That was Jericho Sims 58th pick in the draft. Like 
They didn't start Jericho Simmons. I, I know, but like the it. I, okay, so you don't think Emmanuel quickly moving into the starting lineup would have been a commensurate move as Sims moving permanently into the rotation? Because to me, in my mind, those two things would be on on par, and they didn't they didn't force that. Th- well, the front the office could have also done a better job by trading Burks. trading Alec Burks and that deal <laughs> that, that was rumored. Like, yeah. That's one example. Would that have opened the door for Emmanuel quickly? Probably. Probably, Probably would have opened it for Deuce McBride. That's not the path they chose. No. It just, to me, doesn't feel like we don't see him as anything more than a good guard I, off the bench. It's I, just, I hope you're- we see other talent ahead of him and we're not going to tell Tibbs how to do his job without, you know, so much. Like, they didn't say don't play Nerlens Noel. They said we're going to shut down Nerlens Noel. They didn't say don't play Kemba Walker. Yeah. I think Tibbs said I'm not playing Kemba Walker. And yeah. then the Knicks said and Kemba agreed, we're not going to play you. We're shutting you down. It was up to Tibbs from that point on. And we know that Tibbs afterwards was saying, oh, maybe I should have played the younger players. So I, I don't think it's a front office philosophy. I just think it's that's simply how it's shaked, shaken out because Tibbs loves veterans. And I'd like to think that by this point on, Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin are veterans. They, They're entering their third year. I'd like to think that they have enough exposure where they are considered veterans in the eyes of Tom Thibodeau. 100%. And just to be abundantly clear, I think on a great team or even a, just like a really good team, Emmanuel Quickly is probably a six man. <laughs> I just want to be very clear with that. It's just they're not a, a great or even a good team right now. That's why I was pushing for that. Anyway, yeah. uh, let's let's move on to the rest of these, yeah. these fears. High standards. This is a fear of mine, which is that if you bring Jalen Brunson here, he's viewed as this prize free agent signing and he should be leading the team. No, we did the same thing with Julius Randle where we took someone. What was the conversation? He's not a number one. He's not a number one. Great. So don't treat him like a number one. Don't treat him like a first option. If he's supposed to be a second or third option on a really good team, if that's what you believe, then don't hammer him and say, why can't you be the first option? That is my fear for Jalen Brunson, that getting Jalen Brunson in the building will be, he's supposed to be this quote unquote savior. And I don't mean that from a star angle. I mean, like he's the prize free agent guy. He's supposed to be lifting up the Knicks. I don't view it that way. I view it as RJ Barrett should be the first option. And you yes. bring in someone like Jalen Brunson to flank him, to make life easier for him. And you're able to move Julius Randle to give Obi Toppin space. I don't know what you're doing with Evan Fournier. At this point, I think you are considering considering moving him and elevating someone like Quentin Grimes. Maybe you don't even have Mitchell Robbins here. There's some overhaul that could be happening here. But my, my fear is that Jalen Brunson gets turned into something larger than he actually is, which is that he is a good point guard who can make the Knicks a better team and we can leave it at that. And the, the price tag isn't going to be like max level player where he should be on a pedestal and it's right to criticize him if he's not being a first option. He's not meant to be a first option. So let's not treat him as such. That's my issue with potential high standards of him coming here. In a perfect world, like his usage goes up a little bit Next again, imagine imagining him on the Knicks. His usage goes up a little bit next year on the Knicks. I think what did he have like a twenty three usage this year or something like that? Uh, uh, 21, 22. Twenty one, twenty two. Okay, so let's put it at twenty four or sure. uh, or so. Um, but the relationship between him and RJ is kind of like the relationship between uh, him and Luca. Be very clear about that. Anyone who listens to Patreon knows. I think uh, Luka Doncic is a pretty good basketball player. RJ Barrett not there yet, uh, not even close. But it doesn't mean again for where the Knicks are right now. RJ can't, you know, 
just play in that in that way because God willing, someday, probably not going to be a number one, um, but he's going to have to to do that anyway. So you might as well give him the reps. Yeah. Uh, cap space obsession. This idea that it's a contract on the books, treating it like an albatross when it could actually be treated as doing a better job, bringing more talent into the building. Um, talked a little bit about that. And then the last point I want to talk about is no man's land. This was a this is something that John Schmilk brought up when he came on the podcast and we had a long and great conversation about it. I've been thinking about this because the primary thought is, okay, Jalen Brunson makes you better, but he doesn't make you good enough to really be incredible. And he also makes you better. So you can't be bad enough to get a good pick and you're no man's land and all this stuff. And I was thinking about this. If you take New York, LA, Chicago, Miami, Houston, Golden State, right? Those are mm-hmm. probably like, in my mind, some of the, the biggest markets. Throw Phoenix in there too, probably. But yeah. If we wanted to throw Phoenix, sure. Um, they're, they're a big market from a um, non-basketball standpoint. It's more that I don't know how big of a market they are in terms of like landing a marquee free agent, you know? Like Chris Paul wanted to go there because they were winning, not because yeah. of Phoenix, but they were also close to LA. I, well, key, key thing you just said, because they were winning. Right. But if we go back and look at those teams, right? To me, the last big market team to draft a true established superstar. If you don't think Devin Booker is a superstar, then we could cross him off the list. But if you think Derrick Rose, when he was drafted in 2008, actually one year before that, Steph Curry, 2009, right? Mm -hmm. That's the last player in the big markets that became a superstar that was drafted by a team. That was 13 years ago. Crazy amount of time. Before that was Derrick Rose, 2008. Before that, Dwayne Wade, 2003. Before that, Kobe? Kobe Bryant, yeah. 1996. And technically wasn't even drafted by the Lakers, but it, it counts. We'll, we'll say it. If you look at the Nets, was the thought of, oh, well, they're in no man's land when they had D'Angelo Russell and they made the playoffs. Maybe, but guess what they did? They won enough games to show players want to be here. If you're talking about the Clippers. They were in no man's land. SGA wasn't SGA what we know of now. He was a certainly good prospect, but where was their star superstar ceiling? Wasn't there. Didn't matter. They signed Kawhi Leonard and traded for Paul George with the Lakers. Sure. They had some nice high ceiling players, but a lot of it was the market that is LA. um, The fact that they were higher picks. So you equate them with being great and there's a dynasty and it really was never going to be a dynasty and they got LeBron James and then they trade those players for Anthony Davis and they win a championship. My point is that a lot of these big markets are oftentimes in no man's land until they're not. And it's, it's dependent on the team like the Knicks to follow in a similar footsteps. People love saying the Knicks should be like a small market team. And what they really mean by that is the Knicks just need to focus on the draft. And they're yeah. doing that. But the Knicks shouldn't act like a small market team because they play in fucking New York. <laughs> you have to leverage the advantages that you have, which I is to throw why the fucking in there. If, yeah, 100%. Which is why if you want to be a better team, it goes back to the previous conversation. Just be better today. Be better tomorrow. Get to a point where you're no longer mired in these negative vibes that we've been dealing with for an entire offseason, where last offseason, everything was fantastic. And you just need to get better. And so 
if you bring in someone like Jalen Brunson to help raise that floor, get to the Clippers level, become a, a, a consistent winning team. And by consistent, I mean like aim for mid 40s, high 40s, try to get to 50 wins, even if you don't have the superstar level talent, because you know what? If you plan out your contracts well enough, and especially whether it's a player who's available via trade or it's waiting until the cap spikes in 2025, and then maybe a friend brings another friend, you can find ways to then really strike and become a legitimate contender. But all this stuff about no man's land, and Jalen Brunson, it's fooey to me. You can just build. He gets you to a better place. Yes, I said fooey. I did. You did it. It was great. Um, can I just throw one other thing in there? Because I, I completely agree with you. Um, and I am sure that there was, there was probably someone out there listening to this and be like, well, wait a minute. You, you, you're doing this whole song and dance. Meanwhile, they were good a year ago. Um, and they didn't like that didn't turn into any superstar. You're not always going to have an off season where a star is ready to demand a trade. No. Um, sometimes you'll have two or three in the same off season. Sometimes you'll have none last season. Unless I, unless I missed something, Jeremy, correct me if I did. Uh, there were no superstars that demanded a trade. Uh, the closest, the only one that reportedly came remotely close was Damian Lillard. And we just had a, a great podcast uh, this week about Dame and how close he did or did not come to demanding a trade. It didn't seem like he ever really got close. So the fact that yes, New York went 41 and 31, and it was a lot of good vibes and no, it did not immediately result in a, in a star player demanding a trade there. That should not be uh, what's what the opposite of proof of concept, like proof that, that that does not work. It's just, it didn't happen. And then the Knicks went out and they had a season in which they, Kind of took a step back. Okay. It doesn't mean you give up on the notion of, hey, let's just get better and look like a competent franchise because it's, it's the way to go. And there's a difference between what the Knicks did and what the Bulls did, which is the Bulls tried to get better, but they also traded a bunch of draft picks for yeah, veterans it's... who aren't their best quality. I'm not suggesting the Knicks do that. I'm just suggesting they use the means that are available to them without forcing it too much. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.